Now it's my communion cups. Make sure I don't spill the blood of Jesus. So I just want you guys to know I'm doing the best I can, all right? You're like, is it okay to laugh at that? I hope so. Um, hey, my name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here. Really good to see you this morning. Uh, we today start a series on missions. Now, I assume, and probably I shouldn't assume this, but I assume most people are like me in this sense. We tend to process everything we're experiencing through the filter of, why does this matter to me? Anyone ever asked that question before? Like, I have asked that question before, why does this matter to me? Like, sometimes someone says, hey, you need to read this really great news article, and I read it, and I'm like, why does this matter to me? Or maybe you've been in uh, working, and your boss is always calling meetings that are extremely painful. That's never happened to Andrew Van Kopp before. But like, we've all been in meetings, and we're asking ourselves the question, why does this matter to me? Or maybe you've even been in church, and you're sitting in the seats, and there's announcements, or there's a sermon, and you're like, hey, why does this matter to me? So we're going to be spending the next three weeks talking about missions. And for those of you who don't know, like you're, like, you're here, maybe this is your first time in church for a while, and you're like, what do you mean by missions? Missions is taking the message of Jesus to a cultural context that is different than your own. Missionaries are those who leave their homeland to tell people about Jesus. And I just got to be real with you. This week, I spent a good amount of time wondering why we should care about missions. I, I, I wondered specifically, why should you care about missions? And I honestly had, uh, I was wrestling with this idea that there are probably many of us here, not all of us, but there are probably many of us here, and I don't say this with a shred of uh, trying to produce guilt or shame in your life, I promise. But I'm wondering if there's people in this room this morning who are asking themselves as we start a three-week series on missions, why does this matter to me? And you know what, I gotta be honest, I think that's a very fair question. Humans tend to only care about things that immediately impact our own lives. Like, think about your life. You already have enough to think about, right? Like, some of you are under tremendous pressure, and life is painful right now. We have some of us who have pressure at work, some of us who are unemployed, some of us who are dealing with health issues, others of us are in a rough spot in our marriage. Many of us are trying to figure out how to raise our kids. Others of us are praying for a spouse, and it's safe to assume that some of us are financially strained. And, and there's just many people in this room, and you have a lot going on, and you have a lot that you're thinking about. Even now as I'm preaching, you may be thinking about a problem you have, and some of us just can't wait for lunch. But the question that you might be asking today is, why does this matter to me? I want to try and answer that question with God's help both today and next Sunday. Spring Valley Community Church supports about 20 missionaries financially. And uh, this is a picture of a couple that we support. I'm not going to say their names for safety reasons. I received an email from this young couple on Tuesday of this week. They are currently serving in Jordan but they only plan to be in Jordan for a couple of years for missionary training and to learn Arabic. And I received the email where this couple, 
Looks like they could just fit right in here at Spring Valley Community Church. You wouldn't look at them and think, oh my goodness, missionaries. There's everyday people. They informed me and all of their supporting churches that in 2018, they feel like God is calling them to plant a church in Syria. I don't know if you've noticed, if you're living and breathing, but Syria has been in the news a lot lately. And absolutely none of that news has caused any of us to think, that sounds like a wonderful place to spend my life. None of you are thinking about your summer vacations as we're getting through the winter. You know where we should go this year, kids? Syria. None of you who have college students are praying, or high school students, you know what, I really hope my son or my daughter finds a nice school in Syria. Like, we don't want to go to Syria. It's probably the most unsafe place in the whole world right now. So why in the world would this young couple want to give the best years of their life to Syria? What would motivate them to go to a place that is the definition of dangerous and try to get a church started? Why would they turn their backs on the comforts and career opportunities that American life offers and willfully run into the teeth of darkness? I think the Apostle Paul the man who used to hate Jesus and hate Christians, but was radically changed and spent the better part of his life as a missionary going into dark places, I think Paul answers questions like this. Why Syria? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. This is what Paul says Paul, the missionary who made a career out of going into dark places where it was the definition of dangerous. He says this, starting in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want to share with you from this text four reasons why missions matters. And here's what I know, and I've been becoming more and more convinced of this. I was sharing this with some friends last night. I'm becoming more and more convinced that in order for 
the work that I think needs to be done in your hearts and minds this morning and in my heart and in my mind, the longer I preach, the more I realize that that work and what's the work that I'm hoping God does in your heart this morning, just to be clear, I'm hoping that God would explode in your heart a passion for the nations. But I know, and I'll get excited when I'm preaching this morning, you're expecting that. But I know that no matter how passionate I am and how clearly I preach, the only way that God is going to break through in your heart to get you to become the kind of person who hears a sermon series about to the ends of the earth and your heart leaps and says yes, is that he himself needs to do something supernatural in you. It's not going to be the preaching. It's not going to be the music. It's going to be the spirit and the work of God changing your heart and changing my heart. So what does that mean? That means I think we just need to pray this morning and ask God to do the work that only he can do. So would you join me in that today? Lord, I thank you so much for these beautiful people. Lord, so many uh, I know personally, some I do not. And Lord, you love this church and you love these people more than I do. And Lord, you know I love them a lot. And Lord, we come to you as a community this morning and we say that um, we have a lot going on in our own lives. I was just writing down a prayer request about something going on in my life that I need prayer for. Lord, you know the reality of who we are. And so, Lord, what we're asking you to do this morning is we're asking you to give us your passion for the nations. Lord, and I pray that you would do what only you can do in every heart in this room. Break our walls down, break our self-centeredness down, and Lord, open our eyes to the things that you're passionate for. And Lord, we just yield ourselves to you. I pray against all the hard-heartedness that we might have. Lord, soften our hearts, melt our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, at least I was praying. Amen. All right, four reasons why missions matters. Number one, here's why missions matters. Because Jesus' love compels us outward. Missions matters because Jesus' love compels us outward. Paul says, for Christ's love compels us. Now, here's what's interesting about what Paul says here, for Christ's love compels us. The question is, is what does Paul mean by Christ's love compels us? Is he talking about Jesus' love for the world that is compelling Paul, or is Paul talking about the love that Jesus has for him personally that is compelling him. Both are true. Jesus loves the world and Jesus loves Paul. But when I th what I think, and I think there's some uh, the reasons in the original language to believe this and a lot of scholars believe this, when Paul says Christ's love compels us, he's telling us that what is compelling him to be a church planting missionary is the love of Jesus Christ he has experienced personally in his own life. So what Paul is telling us is simple and profound. The love of Jesus has moved Paul into a life of radical service to others. Paul is not motivated to live his life as a missionary because he feels guilty. Rather, it's the love he has experienced from Jesus himself 
that motivates him. So let me just say something about the human condition. Guilt is a terrible motivator. It can keep us going for only a little while. That's why you're done with your New Year's resolutions. You only made them because you feel guilty. Now, I know that's not true of all of you, but sometimes I just make New Year's resolutions because I feel guilty. I don't want to be fat anymore. I'm going to get thin. I feel guilty. I'm going to work out. And then two days later, I hit the snooze bar. Ever been there? You're like, no, not me. Okay, just me. I Fine, no problem. But we all understand that. Like, guilt will get us to do things, but it won't get us to do things for a long time. And this morning, God getting you to care about missions is not rooted in guilting and shaming and condemning you to care about missions. The reason we care about missions is because the love of Jesus is melting our hearts, and that love that we experience from Jesus always turns us outward to other people. Because when we experience the love of Jesus, we never want to be the only ones who are experiencing it. We want that for other people. So Jesus Christ loves us deeply, Spring Valley Community Church. He loves each of us personally, and he loves us corporately. Some of us, now just eyes up here. Yep, like I really want you to just right here. Some of us are pushing away the love of God in our lives. Some of us have been in church for weeks, months, decades, but we don't live our Monday through Saturdays out of the love of God. We live our lives out of a sense of duty, out of a sense of guilt, out of a sense of ought to. And that's not how Paul lived his life. And that's not what Jesus has for you. Some of us, what you need to take away from this message this morning is you need to understand that you have not received the love of Jesus. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm saying that you're operating out of guilt and shame. You're not operating out of love and acceptance and grace from Jesus. How do you know if you haven't received God's love into your life? Because you are always feeling despair when you do the wrong thing. If you miss a couple days in your devotions, you feel like God is mad at you. When you sin, you feel like God is mad at you. But when you know that God loves you, and you have a couple of bad days, because you know he loves you, you know exactly where to take your failures. The cross of Jesus Christ. See, people who are living out of the love of God are awesome at repentance because they know that God is ready for them 100% of the time. Do I feel bad when I sin? Absolutely. But I know that God loves me deeply, completely, thoroughly. And I know I'm a huge piece of work. And I know I got a lot of things to work on, but I am deeply loved by God. And I think about a lot how much God loves me. And it doesn't make me say who cares about everyone else. In my own life, there's people I'm thinking about and even come to mind now where I'm like, I want them to experience the love and the goodness and grace of Jesus. And so the love of Christ compels us outward. That's why missions matters. Because Jesus loves you. And because he loves you, he's compelling you to serve other people. So I just want to say this. If you desire to care about missions... Don't begin with trying to manufacture some love for Uzbekistan. 
All right? Like, that's just not going to work. Like, if you're here and you're like, Lord, I really want to care about missions in Uzbekistan. I really love the people in Uzbekistan. I know I should. I have never even thought about Uzbekistan before. Like, it's not going to work if you're, like, just trying to should yourself into caring. Begin with allowing the love of Jesus to melt your heart. Find motivation in the reality that Christ chose to love you before time began. Long before you could do anything to deserve the love of Jesus, he knew you by name and he called you to himself and he placed his love and affection on you. Here's the second reason we should care about missions. Because Jesus loves all people. Because Jesus loves all people. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. The scriptures are clear that the human condition is unfathomably miserable. Every one of us has fallen short through sin. There is not a person on the planet who could be described as innocent. And the penalty for sin is death and eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Humanity desperately needed a savior. And when God saw how badly human beings had treated him, and how desperate they were for someone to save them, God chose to remedy our terminal condition through sending his son. Catch this. God's response to my wickedness, my rebellion, the evil in my own life, came at great personal cost to himself. He responded to sin with a savior. And that Savior was his son. I'm reading a book right now. It's a biography about Christopher Hitchens. Uh, Christopher Hitchens was a world-renowned atheist. He died in 2011. And I'm not reading that book because I'm thinking about becoming an atheist. Uh, but it's a page-turner. It's a great book. It's called The Faith of Christopher Hitchens. If you're looking for a good read, I strongly recommend it. You know what's interesting about Christopher Hitchens? He actually used to think that everyone was born good. He used to think that people were just normally wonderful, and, and people did the things they did because of their culture. They did it because of religion. They did it because of social constructs. Like, Christopher Hitchens believed that people did things, and they were basically good people, but the reason they ended up doing bad things is really a condition of their culture and a condition of their upbringing until September 11th. When September 11th happened, and even though September 11th was a lot about radical Islam, do you know that Christopher Hitchens changed his views drastically, thinking that everyone was doing what they were doing because they were basically good, but it was their culture and it was their upbringing that was really driving their behavior? Do you know after September 11th, when Christopher Hitchens was asked point blank, do you know what he said? People are evil. People are evil. And Paul tells us that Jesus Christ came and died for all people. In the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, every human being can find remedy for their deepest problem, and that's sin. And the death of Jesus, the cross of Jesus Christ, is God's testimony to all people that he loves them deeply. Many of you are familiar with Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. I'll read it for us. Paul says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
So let me make some connections for us this morning. When we experience the love of Jesus Christ in our own lives, the natural outflowing of that experience is a deepening desire for others to experience Jesus' love. When we recognize the beauty of what Jesus did for us on the cross and that he defeated death and won eternal life for us in the resurrection, we want others to know that beauty. When the love of Jesus invades our lives, we begin to love like Jesus loves. And so here's a big question. How does Jesus love? How much does Jesus love? Do you know that the love of Jesus is as wide as the whole world? See, think about how we love people. We usually love people by how close they are to us, if they're similar to us, and what I know I do sometimes and I know you do sometimes is we put everyone into a box and we want to try to kind of define everyone based on their politics or their race or their gender or maybe their upbringing or maybe where they're from, maybe they're from the South, maybe they're Canadian, and we just want to put everyone in a little box. And then Jesus shows up And he says, I'm breaking down all your boxes. My love cuts across every category you can think of. And we know it's true because he died for all. Missions matters because Jesus loves all people. Third reason missions matters, because Jesus alone makes people new. Jesus alone makes people new. That's why missions matters, because Jesus is the only one that can bring new life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old is out of here. The new has come. Some of you know my son Joseph. He's about to turn 10. He's about 6'3". My son Joseph was born with a congenital heart defect. He was born with something called transposition of the great vessels. When he was seven days old, he had open heart surgery to repair his broken heart. Joseph was otherwise healthy, and after his heart was fixed, about a three, four-hour surgery, after that surgery, Joseph has lived, by God's grace, a very normal, healthy life. And many people think of Christianity in these terms— We assume that God just needs to fix us up, do a little surgery, move some vessels around. We think there is only one or two things wrong with us. And many of us assume, you know what, I need Jesus, but for the most part, I'm healthy. When Joseph was in the hospital, there was a five-year-old boy on our floor named Noah. Noah's heart was unrepairable. He had been in the hospital for five months waiting for a heart transplant. His family actually had to move from Maryland to Delaware just so that they could be close to the hospital so that when a heart became available for Noah, he could immediately go into surgery. Here's the thing about Noah. He did not need his heart fixed. He needed a brand new heart. When Paul describes what God does in people's lives, he doesn't say, Jesus came to fix us. He says he makes them brand new. 
What happens in your spiritual being after you come to Christ is not like remodeling your kitchen. It's like building a brand new home from scratch. God creates out of nothing spiritual life in your heart when you come to Jesus. Missions is not about people needing to behave better. Christianity is not about trying to behave better. Missions exist because people need new life in Jesus Christ. Some of you may think that all religions essentially offer the same thing. I, I'm, I would bet money that I think there's probably people in this room that you think religions are similar and, and they probably all lead to the same place. Some of us wrongly believe, God, you're so loving that people who don't know you, they'll end up with you. Everything's going to work out in the end. Why are you here? If that's true, don't you have something better to do on Sunday morning? I sure do. But that's a lie from Satan. That's not truth from Jesus. See, without Jesus, people are spiritually dead and their destiny is eternity in hell, separated from God. You're like, that's not very PC. Jesus isn't very PC. Jesus says things that absolutely shock us. There's a whole movement of Christians right now. They're called red-letter Christians, like we're only going to do the things that Jesus said. We're going to ignore the rest of the Bible because Jesus was so loving and so kind, and Jesus would never offend anybody. You should probably read the red letters if you're going to join that movement. The Scriptures are clear that Jesus Christ is the only one who can transform people from the inside out. The Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, speaking of Jesus, said these words, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So Peter thinks it's only Jesus. And then John writes in his gospel, John chapter 3, verse 36, Whoever believes in the Son, that's Jesus, has eternal life. If you're here this morning and you're not sure about Jesus, but you want to have eternal life, you need to know that Jesus is ready for you. He wants you, and your destiny could be changed today. The old could be gone. The new could come today as you look to Jesus. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. And then Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no reconciliation with God for humanity apart from Jesus Christ. And this is maybe the strongest thing I'll say. Some of us don't give a rip about missions because our theology of heaven and hell is built on lies. We actually don't mind if people spend forever apart from Jesus. As long as we continue to get a raise at work, our kids don't get in trouble, our marriage stays good, and we could still go on two weeks of vacation every summer, and as long as God meets all those needs in our life, that's maybe why we're here. But 
if Jesus is the only name in which salvation can be found, isn't it maybe the most unloving attitude in the world to not give a rip? Like, it could be. It could be. See, I would challenge you this morning to think and pray about whether you actually believe the Scriptures. And I would challenge you to think and pray if you actually believe and take to heart the things Jesus himself has said about himself. Because if Jesus is the savior of the world, I don't think we have the option to be passive and self-absorbed. It can only be his love for us melting our hearts and helping us to internalize and come to grips with the reality that Uzbekistan needs Jesus. Now I know that you're asking the question, well, wait a minute. Am I personally responsible for all of Uzbekistan? No. You're responsible to do whatever God has called you to do to reach the nations. And that responsibility, I think, looks different for all of us. And yet, all of us, if we're followers of Jesus, will begin to have our hearts broken for the people and places that Jesus' heart is broken for. Here's the fourth reason. Missions must matter because we are plan A and there is no plan B. We are plan A and there is no plan B. Paul says all this is from God. What is? New creation in Christ. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us. So what did Christ give to us? The ministry of reconciliation. What is that? That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And then, Paul says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. So God's plan to reach the world with the message of reconciliation, with the new life only to be found in Jesus, is his church. Some of us are called to be ministers of reconciliation in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, and in our neighborhoods. And you know what? I think that's probably most of us. We are called to be ministers of reconciliation right where we are right now. But there might be some in this room who are called to be ambassadors for Christ in Cambodia, China, or Chile. See, the reason our young missionary couple would go into Syria to plant a church is because they know that God is moving in their hearts to be Christ's ambassadors in Syria. See, God doesn't include us in his missionary pursuit of a lost and dying world because he needs us. We're not plan A because God feels really bad for us. We're not plan A because God is weak. We are plan A because God loves us. God can accomplish everything without you and without me. And yet... In his wisdom and kindness and love for me and for you, he invites us to participate on the front lines of missions. 
Think about this. God is all-powerful. He could have chosen to zap people with the knowledge of his son. He could have chosen to appear to every human being who's ever lived himself in the flesh. But instead of those plans, what has he done? He's entrusted you with his message of salvation, of hope, and new life. Missions must matter to us because many of us are never going to make it to Syria or Uzbekistan. But we can certainly partner with people as a church who are going to be Christ's ambassadors in those places. God's plan A are people who love Jesus, taking his message to the nations, and there is no plan B. That means as God's people, we must let God break our hearts for lost people. We don't have the option to ignore our neighbors or the nations. We are Christ's ambassadors, and Christ's love for you and for me moves us outward. So let's review. Why must missions matter to you? It matters because you are deeply loved by Jesus Christ. You are deeply loved by Jesus Christ. It matters because Jesus deeply loves not only you, but every person in every nation on earth. It matters because Jesus is the only hope for lost people everywhere. And it matters because God has entrusted us with the responsibility to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Ultimately, missions must matter to us because missions matters to God. So how should we respond? Four things and then we'll receive communion together. Here's how we should respond. First response. Some of us in this room, we need to receive Jesus into our lives. The good news of Jesus is that through him you can be made new, your sin can be forgiven, and Jesus could become your leader, your Lord, your Savior. And the only way to become a Christian is through faith in Jesus, not through religious activities, not through church attendance, not through giving your money. It's only through faith. So some of us this morning, we need to receive Jesus into our lives. And you can do that by simply asking him to come in. He is ready even now. He is in this room through the, his presence and the power of the Holy Spirit even now. And he might be tugging at some of your hearts this morning saying, come to me. The second way we should respond to a message like this is pray. Pray for missionaries and pray for more workers. We need to pray. We need to pray for our missionaries and we'll get you a list out this week. We probably should have had it for you this morning, but we'll get you a list out this week of our missionaries so you can maybe take one missionary family a day and you can pray for them. I really believe that our missionaries need to be covered in prayer. And we also need to pray that God would raise up more missionaries to go to the nations. And let me just say this, because I was thinking about this this week, and maybe the people you are praying that God would send to the nations would be your children and your grandchildren. Please don't dream the American dream for your children. Let God shape your dreams for their life and allow God to shape his dreams in their life as he speaks to them. Spring Valley, will we give the next generation to the nations? 
Or, or will we be like every other suburbanite who says the goal of life is to stay safe? The goal of life is not safety. It's glory for Jesus. But only God can do that work in your heart. Only God can open up your hands and say, God, these children are for you. Whatever you might do with them, whether they're going to be a scientist in Autobahn or they're going to be a missionary in the jungles of Africa, whatever it is, I want what you want for their lives. May the harvest workers come from the next generation. And may we not be parents who hold back the work of God because we're afraid. Because we serve the one who is greater than the one in the world. Because the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. Let us dream God-sized dreams for our families and for our children. Number three, give. We should respond by giving. The gospel cannot go around the world unless people like you and like me give to missions. We are the senders. We are not all going to go, but we all must send. So in three weeks, we're going to ask you to fill out this card, and you're going to let us know through faith how God is working in your heart and breaking your heart for the nations and what financially you want to do for the nations. Because here's what I found in my own life. It's really hard for me to deeply care about things I'm not invested in. And I mean that about my money. Where our treasure is, our hearts are. If you want to treasure the nations, put some of your money there. And the fourth and final thing is go. Go. We've sent out two missionary families in our history. And I'm just wondering if there's people here this morning who are just open to the Lord without having all your questions answered, but you're willing to go if God calls you. Are you willing to go to the nations? You should not make that decision quickly, and you should not make that decision without a ton of prayer and wise counsel, but I'm wondering if God will call some of us to the Syrias of the world so that Syrians and the Congolese and the Chinese and the Irish and Canadians and Mexicans and Brazilians can know Christ. We are plan A. Are we open to his move in our life? I wanna invite our ushers forward this morning. We're gonna receive communion. What an awesome morning to just, before we leave this place, just to remember the body and the blood of Jesus broken for us on the cross. As we receive communion this morning, just know that communion is for everyone who is in this place who loves Jesus. If you don't love Jesus, you can just let communion pass. We won't look at you, talk about you. It's no problem. If you want to love Jesus, you can do that before communion gets to your seat just by praying a simple prayer of asking Jesus into your life. But as we sit here this morning and we see this symbol of body and blood broken for you, would you ask God to break your heart and see that that body and blood is not just for you, but it's for every tribe, tongue, and nation.
story of communion is quite simple. Jesus was with his first followers, the disciples, and Jesus was very close to being arrested and a day away from being executed. And he knew that he was going to the cross and he knew he would spill his blood for all people. And so he wanted to give his disciples and people like you and me a tangible reminder of his death and his promises that his death secured. And so at dinner he took some bread and he said, this is my body and it's broken for you. And then he said, eat this in remembrance of me. His body broken for you, personally, you, knows the number of hairs on your head and broken for you, the nations, the 6,000 people groups who have never even heard the name of Jesus, broken for them too. Let's eat together. And after he had given the bread, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. There was an old covenant and this new one was based not on man's work, not on man's ability to be obedient. This new covenant was based on the work and the righteousness and the grace of Jesus. And this grace is changing our lives. And this blood has washed our sin away. And this blood can also wash the sins away of the nations. Let's drink together this morning. I'm gonna pray and then when I say amen, we'll be done this morning. Uh, so just hold tight for one second. Just wanna say one thing. I wanna invite our, our prayer partners to come and to uh, line the front of this stage. And we always want to have people here that can pray with you. But I wanna to talk to a very specific group of people in this room this morning. This week and next week and on January 29th as well, if you have any stirring that God has or might be calling you to missions, I wanna encourage you to just come and receive prayer for that. And we're not gonna like write your name down and said, hey, do you remember on January 15th, you said you felt called to missions and if we see you here in four years, we're like, why didn't you go? It's not gonna be like that. We're just offering a place that if you sense that God is stirring your heart for missions and you, you're asking questions like, I wonder if he's calling me. Would you let those who are here this morning pray for you? And if you have any other prayer needs, whether you need healing in your body or you have relationships that are broken or you're feeling like you're in a state of depression or you just need God to break out and break through in your life, we'll pray for you too. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for Every person in this room, Lord, you love them so much. And you love us as a church. 
and you have good things in store for us. And God, I just pray that this week and over these next couple weeks, you would just break our hearts for a lost and a dying world. And Lord, you would do some transforming work that only you can do. And Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, we would leave knowing that we are ambassadors for Christ and we have been entrusted with the message of reconciliation and it is good and godly to share Christ with our neighbors around our dinner tables in our cubicles and wherever you might call us, God. Change us, use us for your glory and for our good and the good of others. You are an awesome God and we love you this morning. Go with us as we leave this place in the strong and beautiful and gracious and kind and truthful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you today.